pastor's been teaching out of the uh, book of Revelation, a very prophetic book, but it's not the only book of prophecy in the Bible. In fact, about 30% of the Bible is prophecy. And one of the greatest prophets of all time didn't have a book. His name was Jesus. And the only prophecies that he, we know he wrote happened in Revelation when he gave us his revelation. So we're gonna talk about prophecy and where we are or where are we in prophecy. And I'm going to be starting with Daniel, um, primarily because Daniel has much prophecy in it that's already been fulfilled and much prophecy yet to be fulfilled. We'll start with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can be here and study your word. We ask that you bless the, the word in Jesus' name. Amen. 2,600 years ago, God provided a prophet, Daniel, with a number of visions concerning the future. In one of those visions, God revealed several events set to take place just prior to the second coming. Just prior to the second coming. Now, many of Daniel's prophecies have already transpired. But the angel told Daniel to seal up his vision until the end times, when the travel and knowledge will increase. You can turn with me to Daniel 12:4. But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Then many shall run to and fro and search anxiously through the book. And knowledge of God's purposes as revealed to his prophets shall be increased and become great. References all through both the Old and, two two, Old and New Testament have backup verses and chapters. Amos 8.12 has a similar type of prophecy. The means of one of the clearest indications of the end times and thus the second coming of Jesus Christ is a general worldwide increase in travel and knowledge. So we're going to speak about those right now. If we look at the world today, uh, are we seeing an increase in travel and knowledge? Absolutely. It's dramatic and undeniable in both. It's so dramatic it's been best described as exp exponential. Why? Because from the time of Daniel, the 6th century, to around A.D. 1800, we didn't see any noticeable increase in either. Then something happened. The speed and frequency of travel started to pick up, and the pace of change continues to this day. Human knowledge, it took off as a, as a slow freight train, and it's becoming a, moving at jet speed. The pace of change has been so rapid and consistent, people take it for granted. If you take a moment to reflect on where we've been and where you are now and where we're going, I promise one thing, it will astound you. Let's talk about increased in travel. In the days of Daniel, most people traveled less than 50 miles from where they were born. Most people travel less than 50 miles. I did that yesterday. But that was not in a day or a week. That was their entire lifetime. They, they, their whole lives was spent within 50 miles of where they were born. As a slave that was carried off into a far distant land, and it took numerous days for Daniel to be taken to where he finally settled, he was a, an unusual individual. 
After arriving in Babylon, he spent the remainder of his years in and around the city. He didn't go anywhere else. In the ancient world, routine travel from one part of the empire to another was not, not, was not commonplace. It was extremely rare. In Daniel's time, a horse was the fastest way of travel over land. And this remained true for over 2,000 years. A horse was still the fastest way to travel. During all those centuries, the speed of a human travel didn't change in any noticeable way. In the 1800s, the fastest land-based mode of transportation was still a horse. In the War of 1812, and it offers a good example of, of how slow things moved, the Treaty of Ghent ended the war on December 24, 1814. The famous American victory at the Battle of New Orleans occurred on January 8, 1815, 15 days later. It took that long to be notified that the war was over. This shows something important. In the terms of travel, things stayed relatively unchanged from the days of Daniel to the Battle of New Orleans. Then it all changed. Human travel exploded and the change of both swift and dramatic. What caused the change? The Industrial Revolution. The 19th century, the Industrial Revolution gave birth to the steam locomotive. Now a horse can travel 30 miles an hour, but a locomotive could do double that. Well, the average horse was put out of business. Even the Pony Express didn't use him anymore. Then in the early 20th century, the horseless carriage, which I'm still driving today, no, the horseless carriage took the world by storm. In 1908, the Ford Motor Company produced the first Model T, a car with a top speed of 40 miles an hour. By 1920, the cars were racing along at the typical race car at a speed of 100 miles an hour. For thousands of years, the horse dominated land-based travel. Yet, within a span of a single century, from the 1800s to the 1900s, Trains and cars completely re replaced the horses as the dominant mode of travel. And the speed and power of human travel continued to increase throughout the 20th century and right up to our present day. For instance, in 1952, the ocean liner Blue Ribbon crossed the Atlantic in less than four days, a record. Same crossing took Columbus five weeks. A little while later, another cruiser crossed the ocean in three days. Air travel, no other mode of travel better illustrates Daniel's long ago foretold increase in travel and knowledge. For several thousand years, men dreamed of controlled flight. But for centuries, and that's all it was, was a dream. And then in 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright put together an airplane that flew for 12 seconds and went travel 120 feet, which is less than the, big, the wind span of some of our biggest jumbo jets. That was their flight. That's what started the whole thing out. For, uh, for centuries, that's all it was. Neil Armstrong, in uh, just 66 years later, stepped onto the moon from a 120-foot flight to stepping off on the moon in 66 years. 66 years. Amazing. I think that qualifies as notable increase in travel talk about a little bit about knowledge. 
About 300 years before Jesus, the Ptolemaic dynasty in Egypt constructed a library. Known as the ancient library of Alexandra, many considered to be the greatest collection of written knowledge in the ancient world. While we don't know for sure how much knowledge was housed there, some estimates say that more than 5,000 papyrus rolls were there. 5,000. Had to be a pretty big place to do that. This means the library probably housed tens of thousands of original works comparable to today's books. Also, some of these may have been duplicates. 2,000 years ago, this was the height of human knowledge. Today, you have a bigger library in your phone. In your phone. The number of books in the world in orders of magnitude larger than the ancient times. 10 years ago, Google estimated more than 129 million books are in print. And now UNESCO claims 2.2 million new books are published each year, each year. The emergence of e-books and self-publishing have only accelerated the number. Today, you can buy a Kindle for less than $100. I have, I can't tell you how many books I have in here, probably 30 or 40 books that I acquired I've also got two or three different types of translations of the Bible. Here, not in the Library of Congress, here. Amazing. 20th century witnessed an explosion of information via newspapers, magazines, radio, television, 24-7 cable news networks or propaganda networks, depending. The internet and smartphones, think of all the knowledge and information available on the internet in 1990. There was one website, one, in 1990. I didn't have a computer in 1990, didn't have a clue on how to use a computer in 1990, but I knew there was one website. As of right now, Excuse me, in 1990, there was, over, there was uh, up to 100,000 websites in just six years. Ten years after that, 100 million websites. And as of right now, estimates say 2 billion websites are in existence, and the number with, will be out of date by the time I read this to you because, in fact, more information is added to the Internet every day than existed in the ancient library of every day. There'll be more than 500,000 new websites each day. Where are we headed? I don't know. With the speed of light, things can be traveled multi-multi years ahead. The book of Daniel says an increase in travel and knowledge will immediately precede the second coming, Daniel 12.4. And that's exactly what we see today. For thousands of years, the horse remained the fastest mode of transportation on land, and it's clear the world we live in has transformed dramatically since the days of Daniel. The critics mock this idea. They say, oh, Jesus is coming back. Is he? Christians have been saying that for 2,000 years, and they have. I know, I was there. What's the difference now? The same argument that Peter warned about 2,000 years ago in 2 Peter 3, 4, and they say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the forefathers fell asleep, all things have continued exactly 
as they did from the beginning of creation. Do you believe that? Do you believe things today are the same as they were from the beginning? I don't. I don't believe they're the same as they were from the time I was born. And contrary to belief, I was not born at the beginning of creation. Centuries now, after the crucifixion of Jesus, the world was very much the same. Not one of the signs of the second coming of Jesus and the prophets said to look for was present then. But today, make a note of this. It's clear travel and knowledge have exploded and all the signs Jesus and the prophets said to look for are present. They include, but aren't limited to, the restoration of Israel. Talked about in Jeremiah 16, 14, and 15, it says, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel from north country and from all countries to which, they, which I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. And they are dwelling in their own land today. They didn't have a land. It was taken away from them, but lo and behold, they have a land. The Jewish people are in possession of Jerusalem. The global spread of the gospel is going gangbusters. There's almost no place in the world where the gospel is not being taught, not being preached. Praise God for that. Israel is surrounded by its enemies on all sides. I, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Bless Israel Sunday, Israel is surrounded by enemies. They're gradually working towards something we see and foresee in the future, and that is when Israel says peace, peace, it's being set up for the Antichrist. We know that because the Bible says so. Israel can field a great army prophesied in Ezekiel 37 and Zechariah 12. The army and air force of Israel today is the eighth most powerful in the entire world. Far surpasses anything that any of its neighboring countries have. The eighth most powerful. And it uses them effectively to protect itself. Consequently, when Israel makes a strike uh, against an enemy, very seldom do you know it was Israel because they're very good about covering it up. Strange things happen. Things blow up. Things don't work anymore. It's not by chance. It's because God is working through his children to protect them. The rise of United Europe, we've seen that happen in the EU. The rise of Gog and Magog Alliance, they're working on that right now. And increased calls for global government. We have a new, a new thing going on. People are talking about, you really, with, with the COVID and all the things going on, you really need one central organization to control everything. That's one world government, or the beginnings of it. People acting the way they said they would, the way Paul said they would. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3. But understand this, that in the last days will come perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, Lovers of money and aroused by inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters, they will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, 
disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane, they will be without natural human affections. They will be callous and inhuman. They will be relentless, admitting no, of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and, loo and loose morals, and conduct un uncontrolled and fierce haters of good. I don't know what they're talking about, do you? When they're burning down our cities, when, for example, one of our neighboring states, Portland, has been pretty much on fire for almost four months now, and the mayors, governors, everybody's fine with that, no problem. It's because things are much as Paul foretold us they will be. Widespread ridicule of second coming. We, we read about that in 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4. These signs point to the soon return of Jesus. He's right at the door. Jesus told us to look up when we see all these signs converge in Luke 21, 28. It reads, for those are the days of vengeance, of rendering full, in, full justice or satisfaction that all things are written may be fulfilled. Alas, for those who are pregnant or for those who have babies which they are nursing in those days, for great misery and anguish and distress shall be upon the land and indignation and punishment and retribution upon this people. They will fall by the mouth and the edge of the sword and will be led away as captives to and among the nations and Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's a prophecy from Isaiah 63, also in Daniel 8.13. And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and upon the earth. There will be distress, trouble, and anguish of nations in bewilderment and perplexity without resource, left wanting, embarrassed, in doubt, not knowing which way to turn. The roaring, the echo, and the tossing of the sea again in Isaiah and Joel and Zephaniah. Men swooning away are expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation of the things that are coming on the world. For the very powers of the heavens will be shaken and caused to totter, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great, transcendent, and overwhelming power, and all his kingly glory, majesty, and splendor, Daniel 7, 13, and 14. Now when these things begin to occur, look up, lift up your head, because your redemption, your deliverance, is drawing nigh. Praise God. Those things are all converging right now, and I'm going to give you a few of the things that I have seen. We've talked about, those of you who went to the prophecy classes last year, some of these will be very, very familiar to you. Although the tribulation hasn't started, we see the beginning of the conditions we know will be much worse during this seven-year period. I believe this is God's way of getting the attention of the world before his judgments. I think COVID-19 is a forecaster of what kind of a world we'll have when pestilence strikes. Let's talk about these things. I picked 10 signs that tell us the tribulation is rapidly approaching. Do I know when? No. Do I know it's rapidly approaching? Yes. Revelation 6, 8. Pastor is going to be talking about this, I believe, next week. Tells us under the fourth seal, the rider of the pale horse is given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and with famine and with pestilence. Deadly famines will occur during the tribulation. 
they will be a factor in wiping out one-fourth of the world's population during the sealed judgments that are described in Re Revelation 6. According to a story published in the National Geographic, May 12, 2020, not that long ago, swarms of gigantic locusts are swarming parts of East Africa, beginning with some great famine. The National Geographic story also stated that some 13 million people in Ethiopia, Kenyan, Somalia, Djibouti, and Antria already suffer from severe food insecurity, meaning they may go without eating for an entire or have run out of food altogether. Famine. Famine. Not only there, but other parts of the world are experiencing similar things brought on by strange weather. Too hot, too cold, too wet. Crops won't grow. Crops grow and die in the heat. We'll experience that times 100. The National Geographic study also noted that swarms of locusts can destroy up to 300 million pounds 300 million pounds of crops a day. A day. Amazing. Do we see this? Talk about inflation next. Re Revelation 6 6 reveals that, in, that a time of great inflation lies ahead for the world during the tribulation, such as a quart of wheat will sell for a day's wages. A quart of wheat, about enough to make one loaf of bread. I'm not a baker, I don't know. Is that about right, ladies? Quart of wheat, I don't know. Do we see the potential for this in our world right now? Absolutely. First, take a look at Venezuela. It stands as an example of devastating inflation caused by the government debt and printing of money. What? The government debt? You would think that the United States would learn. But we're already talking about another trillion, trillion with a T, dollar stimulus. We have absolutely con no control, no fiscal control in this country at all. We print money thinking that it's just money. You wonder why your homes today that sold for $50,000 a few years ago are now $500,000? It's because of inflation. What causes inflation? Devaluation of money. It's happened worse in other countries. I remember the stories of Germany when their mark used to take a whole wheelbarrow load of marks to the, buy a loaf of bread. I was in Germany not too long ago, and it used to be you could get, a dollar would get you four marks. I think now it's something like two. Inflation. And they're experiencing inflation too. Mexico, when I visited Mexico, I was thrilled because my dollar was worth 20 pesos. A nickel, a peso. Now a peso is worth <laughs> nearly as much as a dollar because they devalued and we haven't. So they're caught up with us. 
Canada has for a long time actually artificially reduced the value of their dollar so that we'd spend more of our dollars in their country. But it's artificial, just like China's doing right now. They're artificially controlling their money to put us at a disadvantage. The enormous debt in the United States alone, along with its printing of money during the past decade, has already pushed the economy to the edge of disaster. That, along with exceeding high unemployment over, over 40 million, has moved America ever so close to complete collapse. We're doing a wonderful job of getting back some of our unemployment. We're down to 6.9%. That's kind of where Barack Obama left us. We were down as low as 3%. Many jobs, many businesses, many opportunities to earn an income are gone forever as a result of government beating us up with shutdowns. Unfortunate, but it's true. Some of the people who've been laid off, who lost their jobs, will not have a job to go back to. That's a terrible thing. That's a terrible thing. And truthfully, the countries around the world that didn't shut down completely are not doing nearly as bad. The COVID has people dying all over the world, and it still will, and it will no matter what we do. It's like the flu. We have people dying every year because of the flu in this country and others. But I'm not, I'm not surprised because I don't believe that we are being told all the truth about any of it. Revelation 9.21 tells us this about people during the tribulation. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or of their sexual immorality or their thefts. Just in the days of Noah, violence will fill the earth during the tribulation. The Antichrist will cause the killing of a large number of saints during this time. Revelation 7-9 pictures a large multitude of martyrs that have come out of the Great Tribulation. These are no doubt the same ones that John refers to in John 6-9 who were killed for the word of God and witnesses that have been born. We already see violence against Christians in our world and the seeds of us in the United States. If any of you read The Voice of the Martyrs or watch a Christian Broadcasting Network presentation, Christians are being killed today. Today. By the hundreds, those that will not submit to a foreign dictator who is taking over their country, who are run by other religions, I'm not even going to go into that, they're being murdered, beheaded, or they're having to flee their own country and end up as refugees with no place to go, living in refugee camps. Have you seen the advertisements for assistance to go to help the refugees that are in different camps around the world? They're all over the place. Who's causing that? Well, when, when Christians who have been in a Christian country for hundreds, thousands of years are driven out of their country, I know who's causing it. Satan's causing it. Can there be any doubt regarding the deadly intentions of the left in America who advocate abortion up to and after birth, who put patients sick with COVID-19 in nursing homes, killing thousands of the elderly, 
and who send police to stop worship services. Someday the rage and hatred on the left will, left in the U.S. will erupt into violent and deadly persecution against those who hold fast to the word of God, if not before the rapture, then surely after it. Fourth, the increase of anti-Semitism. We have people in our Congress who are anti-Semitic, who spout anti-Semitic garbage to the people of the United States. You all know this is true. How they got elected, I don't know. I really don't. Except they come from people who have spouted and espoused the same thing. They don't love America. They don't love the Jews. They don't believe in what they, believe, what they took the oath of office when they became citizens of the United States. They didn't mean a word of it. We also know that in the second half of the tribulation will be a time of deadly violence against the Jewish people. We see the seeds of much anti-Semitism at work in our world now. New York City, home to 1.8 million Jews, saw a record number of anti-Semitic attacks in 2019. A record number. The governor, of, or the governor of New York or the mayor of the city of New York told them they couldn't attend a funeral. They couldn't gather. They also made it virtually impossible for them to get to synagogue because they took up the areas. I thought they were really doing a great job when they took up the areas that were supposed to be reserved for parking. However, Orthodox and Semitic Jews don't drive cars to to temple anyway. They just walk. New York City is the home to 1.8 million Jews and France and Germany are already rapidly becoming unsafe places for the Jewish people to be. If you were watching the news last week, there was an attack again by a Muslim on Jewish people. Where? In church. The New World Order, the scripture tells us, this is number five, scripture tells us that a world government will dominate the entire earth during the tribulation over which the Antichrist will seize control. Daniel 7, 24 and 26 and Revelation 13, 1 through 10. Today we see this coming one world government forming before our eyes. The website puts a positive spin on 17 goals of the Agenda 2030. Agenda 2030 is a Marxist-Fascist world government in total control of the lives of every nation. The goals of the New Green Deal in America mesh perfectly with the, those of the Agenda 2020. I believe the goal is to bring the United States into the New World Order, not accept over my dead body. I think you, I can be clearer about how I stand against that. It's not going to happen while I'm alive. Surrendering of rights. Since the onset of COVID-19, the willingness of people in the United States to surrender their rights and freedoms has astounded me. Many blindly follow unconstitutional restrictions without protest or any resistance, whatever. This has been a successful test run for by the globalists. The elite have learned that a world crisis and control of the media, may, many people will unwittingly submit to whatever the government tells them with little or no resistance as long as it's for the common good. When the tribulation arrives on planet Earth, great fear and panic will also 
lead to a surrendering of rights and freedoms that will enable the globalists to finalize their plans of the new world order. Sound familiar? Does to me. All of us are sacrificing our rights for this, which most people have admittedly said doesn't do any good. Seven, the mark of the beast. I do not believe Bill Gates is the Antichrist, nor do I think that his vaccine and his accompanying tattoo are the mark of the beast that we find described in Revelations 13, 16, and 17, and 18. But I do believe these things are also preparing the world for the control of the Antichrist that will exert over the world during the tribulation. The idea that the government can require a vaccine, require a vaccine, along with proof of it to leave one's home and participate in society. If you don't have the vaccine, you may have to prove no proof, you can't leave your home. That'll be the next step if they have their way. But now after the fear generated in the media over COVID-19, multitudes now accept such an idea and see no problem with it. In addition to this, we now have the technology for the Antichrist to implement such a program worldwide. Revelation 13, 16 through 18 is not here yet, but it's springing to life in front of our eyes. Number eight, the Middle East tension. While the world remains distracted by COVID-19, tensions keep escalating in the Middle East. Israel has inflicted heavy damage on Iranian, Iranian military installations in Syria in recent weeks, and Iran continues to promise the world that it will soon wipe Israel off the map. Wait a minute, Iran is under strict controls. We've got a boycott. People aren't, but you know who our friends, our friendly Chinese are supplying them with what they need to con construct nuclear weapons. Amen. Our friends, China wants to be the world dominant power, an ungodly, unholy, society and they're helping countries who are our enemies. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu's pledge to annex portions of the West Bank on July 1 is also increasing tensions. Well, he's kind of backed off of that. The Palestinians and their allies say will never accept the adding of such land in Judea and Samaria to Israel and will most likely react violently to such annexation. I don't know how much more violently they can react Every single day, something's going on to create havoc for Israel. If it isn't rockets, and they've got thousands of rockets that they fire into Israel, they also have new flaming bomb kites that they fly across the border and drop into the Israel croplands, and they burn thousands of acres of crops. No crops, no food. No food, famine. The Gog-Magog war described in Ezekiel 38 and 39 seems closer than ever. The nations remain aligned precisely as we read in 38, 1 through 13. 
It's also interesting that Israeli rabbis believe the war of Ezekiel 38-39 could begin at any moment. The ninth symbol, ninth concept of where we're, where we're at. In both First and Second Timothy, Paul warns of great apostasy in the church during the last days. This day has arrived. The, world, the widespread acceptance by so many churches of what the Bible labels as sin is just the tip of the iceberg. Just as the apostle predicted in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4, people today flock to false teachings in great numbers. In some cases, these so-called pastors have become multimillionaires as a result of their, their perversion of the gospel. I'm sure none of you know anything about any of that, right? But if you open your eyes, you can see a lot of pastors no longer teach the Bible. They teach a social doctrine, a feel-good doctrine, a blab it and grab it doctrine, and it doesn't do one thing except people get set up to go to hell, which is exactly where Satan wants them. It's far more popular for preachers today to regard vast sections of scriptural prophecy as allegory and proclaim a false, unbiblical hope of their congregations, one that denies the imminent return of Jesus. The dangerous teaching that the church will triumph through the tribulation and bring in, bring in the millennial kingdom itself has attracted millions of Christians during the past few decades. It's by far the fastest growing view in the end times of church today, and yet another indicator of the great apostasy that is befalling us. Those of you who get my little news blurbs or watched periodically on Facebook, Notice that I pointed out that our teens are being driven, drug away from the church in droves. They are being told in school that Christianity is false. There is no God. Crazy. Item number 10. I've added this point after reading the accounts of the rioting in Minneapolis and the rioting in Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, New York, I can, we run through Atlanta, you name it. That rioting is not of anything but Satan. It's conceived and directed by a Marxist revolution. George Soros is dumping billions into upsetting and turning this country upside down. It's wrong. And we, on the other hand, are, are not fighting against it. If this is not a prime example of lawlessness that Jesus said would appear in the tribulation, I don't know what is. In Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said this about the signs of the end of the age. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Paul refers to the Antichrist as the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Right now we see the spirit of the Antichrist surging throughout the United States as the Antichrist destroys property and ruins thousands of people of all races. If you look at the 10 indicators that I am going through, 
The rapidly approaching tribulation, I'm amazed that the true church remains earthbound. How much longer can it be before Jesus returns to take us to the place he's been preparing for us? If the tribulation seems so close, that means the rapture is even closer. Hallelujah. Yeah, I hear somebody clapping. Yes, we should do that. Right. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord the rapture is closer than the tribulation because I don't want to go there. I want to meet the uptaker before I meet the undertaker. The economies of the world may recover from the brink of disaster and the push to the new world order may decrease. However, at the moment this seems highly unlikely given the tremendous debt of many nations and the staggering high unemployment. Forbes Online Magazine recently stated that as many as 42% of the jobs that Americans may that have lost may be gone for good, 42%. Could the growing lawlessness and the riots push the US and, and the world closer to an economic collapse? I think it's entirely possible. The history of the 20th century tells us that the aftermath of great economic distress, war, or both provide fertile soil for the emergence of the socialist fascist dictators. I believe the Antichrist will arise from the ashes of the coming worldwide chaos to seize control of the coming new world order. Given the conditions of our world at the moment, it won't take much to plunge the world into a great economic disaster or trigger the Gog-Magog war. The resulting chaos will provide the perfect opportunity for Satan to place this man in charge of the world order, which he will do. There is good news. The good news is that we will be with Jesus before the devil unveils this man of lawlessness. So take heart. Jesus is coming soon. The UN now has a web page entitled, Let's Take Our Planet Back. Easy to find. It's https backslash backslash unnwo.org. An easy way to remember the link is to remake to think United Nations New World Order. This website represents a more blatant revelation of the UN's desire to create a new world order, although it has always been quite visible under its stated agenda in 2030. It's establishing a Marxist world order by 2030. 2030 is only 10 years away. Only 10 years away. I'm not going to get into my own personal political beliefs. How could you imagine what they might be? I don't know. I certainly haven't talked about them, have I? People are talking about this now everywhere. If you're on any Christian broadcast station, Behold Israel, CBN, uh, there's just hundreds of websites where you can visit and find out more information. There's a gentleman that I have sent out many, many uh, newsletters about. His name is Amir Tzafardi. He is a great guy. An Israeli, a Messianic Jew, a former um, major in the uh, in Israeli Defense Force. He was in their intelligence. He knows so much about what's going on and he still has all his connections. Read what he says. 
I've got two pages of them. I'm out of time. I'm not going to go any further. I, in fact, I think I've overstayed my welcome. But all of this is important. All of it's important. You here and you on Facebook, please take time to find out what's really going on in our world today. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you better, you better get down on your hands and knees, confess your sins to the Lord God, and ask him to come into your life, because that is your salvation. Government's not your salvation. Donald Trump's not your salvation. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris sure aren't your salvation. That's a non-political statement, by the way. Jesus Christ is your salvation, and him crucified. You believe in him, accept him, follow his word, you'll be blessed. You'll be saved from the wrath of the tribulation. God bless you all. I'm going to close in a word of prayer now, and uh, we'll move on. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the message, and I pray that the hearts will be touched wherever they be, whether here or on the Internet. In Jesus' name, amen.